1: Later in the show, we have Chester Santos, international man of memory. So after much speculation, Dell is going to be a public company again. Recall that in 2013, Dell went private, and they said they did that because they wanted to reorganize, and they thought that the constant interruptions of having to file quarterly reports would be a pain, so they decided to go private. In a $21.7 billion deal announced on July 2nd, they are now going to re-IPO and become a publicly traded company again. If you've been in the technology world for a very long time, uh, you would know that MicroFocus used to be the software division of Hewlett Packard, or HP, and they announced they're selling their SUSE Linux business unit to EQT for $2.5 billion. And I'm just bringing this up as news because SUSE has a long, long history Uh, at one point considered the number two Linux provider after Red Hat and had gotten acquired by HP many years ago and kind of gotten passed around. So nothing's really going to change with the technology. It's just a signal that Microfocus, just like HP, continues to streamline. And in a story I'll speak on much more in the future, California just passed their own data privacy law, which will be enacted by 2020, And it is considered to be equally strong, if not more so, than GDPR. And already comments are being made that this will be the next kind of Y2K or Enron scandal, where it'll be a great growth for the IT industry. And that's the news of the week. First up, we have Jay Chowdhury, CEO of Zscaler, who just came out of the largest traditional tech IPO of 2018 so far, Zscaler at over $3 billion. And Jay talks about Zscaler's rise and prominence. For Zscaler, what are some of the things that Zscaler is working on post-IPO? What are some of the innovations that we're looking for? So
2: Zscaler built a pretty massive platform to really eliminate lots of security point products enterprises had to buy and build and manage the whole stuff. So we are like the sales force of cloud security. Yes. Right? Rather than you have to buy and deploy, you use this. We have a good platform, but there's a lot of new innovations we're doing in the area of machine learning. With some of these biggest companies, we are handling about 50 billion requests every day coming through Zscaler. That's impressive, yes. I mean to give you a data point. Uh, as compared to a couple of other things, Google searches on a typical day is about six billion searches. That's just Google searches. Google overall does a lot more traffic. Salesforce does about eight to nine billion uh, transactions a day. Now that's because everything that goes to the internet or cloud applications like like Salesforce or Workday, they go through Zscaler. Our goal is to make sure nothing bad comes in, nothing leaks out. So handling 50 billion transactions and analyzing them in real time and then offline with machine learning to figure out the bad guys, malicious behavior, unusual behavior is a lot of uh, value we can bring to our customers on top of what we're already delivering. So that's a big focus.
1: No, that's great. Um, Our show, about 40% of our shows have been on risk and security. And one of the things that we talk a lot about and we try to really get this to listeners, is that there's an infinite amount of threat factors. And that really, we're past the point of people being able to manage this on their own. So there has to be a machine learning component to be able to ingest all that data, interact with all that data, and then get all that noise reduced. So what Zscaler is doing is just phenomenal. Yeah. The other thing I think we like to focus our customers is don't chase
2: every threat. Exactly. Because you can't. Exactly. So focus on risk. And if you want to protect everything in your company, you'll protect nothing. So classification, there are some of the most important applications and data. Treat them in a special bucket. There's a ring one, ring two, ring three. And building security along that is a very important thing. And that's what customers need to focus on rather than putting a big uh, moat around the entire company making sure the right users have access to right applications. It should be the focus, and that's what we deliver.
1: Yeah, and that's a great message because I think that a lot of people get lost, as you said. They're trying to protect everything, which is impossible. Exactly. And so really having the guidance to do that is something very powerful. Zscaler, um, because I come from enterprise space, I come from large banks and large technology companies. How would a smaller business engage with Zscaler?
2: Act the same way. We... Work equally well for small business as well as large business. In fact, I like to say that a small business can have the GE class security yes. with ZScaler because it's the same security. So we, the difference in engagement is for large customers we have field sales team who go and engage. For small businesses we got inside sales team, so they can reach out to us, and our inside sales team team is ready to serve.
1: And next up is Inhee Chosa, general manager of IBM Watson's customer experience, and she's going to talk about what's on the horizon for IBM Watson. So it's fascinating. We just you did a keynote. We just got through the press conference talking all about the impact of artificial intelligence and how can we have a, not have a conversation without talking about Watson?
3: <laughs> Absolutely. I will tell everyone, though, you know one of the best things about Watson is it's about specializing in every industry, every role. And so the opportunity for everyone to kind of reinvent what they're doing with Watson is exciting.
1: Yeah, that's kind of what I meant uh, when we discussed at the press conference. I actually was as a customer at the IBM launch with the whole Jeopardy! Ken Jennings and Watson you know, beating Ken and him saying that he was looking forward to his machine overlords So, um, but it's great to see that Watson's now being used not to be our overlords but in ways of helping out society
3: uh, absolutely. So, augmenting the human capability. So, when I think about that, I kind of categorize them into two things. One is, you know, recommendations around next best action, automating that in your workflows, like retrieving uh, content, it, automatically tagging images. But you know, the average enterprise doesn't have millions of images of the same thing for training. So one of the things we're thinking about is how do you really enable training on smaller and smaller sets of data with high degree of precision so that every industry can take advantage of this.
1: No, I see that. And I think that's where um, that's what we're calling like democratizing technology down to not the large enterprise
3: yeah we want to make sure that every business has the potential to be a future disruptor and that it's not all concentrated amongst the platform players that have coalesced a lot of data because uh, unfortunately that's not necessarily a dynamic that fuels the broader ecosystem of innovation
1: so what are some of the things that you've learned from this conference
3: A few things. One is when I think about the mindset through an entrepreneur, you have the ability to almost start from fresh. And so, uh, one of the first things I, uh, conversations I had with an entrepreneur was, Uh, she had uh, come up and asked me oh, where can I get started with Watson? I'm a small company, I'm not a large enterprise, so I don't know that I can do this large customized project and we said, you know, this is great timing. We've actually enabled not only Watson for developers which really is part of a bigger ecosystem um, uh, for large enterprises as well as uh, heavily tech oriented folks. We actually started some smaller business applications that you can consume as a a startup or a small medium business um, on things like automatic uh, tagging of content that you're going to use in your promotional campaigns. Or it may be uh, new capabilities like pricing and promotion algorithms that are automated for you. So you don't have to dynamically think about that for your future. But there's a lot of different little set of microservices and applications that we've thought through to enable small and medium businesses.
1: Thank you. Well, I know we're out of time for this short segment but i'd love to have you back on the show
3: oh i would love to and uh just the range of topics around applying not just ai but just the future of innovation and the workforce and skills i think there's many topics
1: so in our next segment we'll meet chester santos international man of memory world memory champion for any questions or comments email us at info svi.biz we're right back
0: for questions or comments on today's program call 1-888-828-7846 that's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith
1: Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Today, as I mentioned in the first segment, we're joined by Chester Santos, international man of memory. And Chester's been around a long time. We've been friends for a long time, so it's just exciting to have him here. Thanks, Chester. Thank you, Keith. I'm really excited to be here. So the question we got this week, and I had just started really thinking about it last week's show, is that Facebook has a patent, and they have lots of patents, as technology companies do. But this one's really interesting because this was a patent on something that they did a few years back where they are going to record ambient sounds activated through your television by sending an ultrasonic frequency to somebody's smartphone. And the way the patent's written says that... They only care about the ambient sound, so like your air conditioning sounds or your dishwasher. But what they don't see in the patent is that in order to get ambient sound, which is the lowest amount of sound, they actually have to record everything, including regular sound like your voices. And so, quote unquote, they were outed. And this has been around since I think 2011 or 12. And one of their executives just said a couple of days ago that Well, yeah, we made this patent, but we're never going to use it on anybody. We just make patents sometimes to make our competitors not be able to file them. So whatever you believe in that, this is just the answer to what that Facebook patent on ambient sound was all about. And that's the question of the week. So welcome back, Chester. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. So Chester, you have a really great background, which I'll let you get more into, but you have been the international man of memory and you've been a memory champion. What's that like? Uh, I really enjoy what I do, to be honest with you. I feel very
4: lucky to be able to travel all over the world uh, talking about memory skills, how people can develop memory skills and use them to become more successful in their career and in their personal life as well as school. Really, the ability to remember can help you in just about every field—it's uh, definitely huge for entrepreneurs.
1: Yeah, and you—you you spoke to audiences like CNN and PBS, uh, to NASDAQ as well as to universities like Berkeley and Harvard. But you know, this has always been a technology and business show. So, how does memory and your own background, how does that tie into technology and business? Well,
4: the technology industry, I—I I would say is. Probably the fastest moving, fastest changing industry. You're always having to stay on top of the latest trends in technology. You have to learn a lot of new things to remain at the top of your field. And memory is fundamental to learning. Uh, Definitely the more you can prove your ability to remember, the more easily you're going to be able to learn new things. This will give you a huge advantage in, in just about. Any field, but maybe technology more so than most others. Didn't
1: you start in technology in your career?
4: I actually did. I I started off as a software engineer. I have a master's degree in software engineering. I worked at Sun Microsystems for a while uh, on user interfaces, and then I worked at Wells Fargo as well on uh, investment applications. So I was a software engineer and just during my spare time, I would study memory training techniques. Eventually, I entered the United States National Memory Championship, which I ended up winning in 2008. And after that, I made a big change and and went into speaking and training as a career uh, instead of software. But now I I actually help software people to uh, apply memory skills to help them to be more efficient on the job.
1: That's great. So, what are some of the tips and tricks that you would recommend for folks? What are kind of the things that could be thinking about? Yeah, some
4: of the main principles to keep in mind. One thing, I want to make it clear to everyone that it actually can be a lot of fun to improve your memory. It isn't really, uh, you don't have to view it as being a lot of work and boring. There are three main principles that I employ and that I teach people to use. And that is one visualization. So try to take whatever it is that you're trying to remember and turn it into a simple image or maybe series of images, something that you can easily visualize. We're very good at remembering things that we see. One example that I give, you often hear people say that they're good at remembering people's faces. Uh, You've probably encountered the situation where you'll see someone, you know that you've met them before, you remember their face but you can't seem to remember the name, right? It's a pretty common experience. When we're meeting people, we see the face. It's recorded into our visual memory, but the name is something much more abstract to our brain. I can get into names in more detail later, but for now, you know, just note that visual component. I talk about involving additional senses from there as you can. As you're doing that, you are activating more areas of your brain and you're building more connections in your mind to the information third principle to keep in mind is to make what you're seeing and experiencing crazy, unusual, extraordinary in some way, because there is a psychological aspect to human memory. We tend to remember things that catch us by surprise that are strange, unusual, extraordinary in some way, right? If an elephant crashed into the studio right now uh, with us here and started spraying water all over everyone in here with their trunks, if that actually happened right now, you'd probably remember that for the rest of your life and tell that story. I was interviewing this memory guy and these elephants crashed into the room out of nowhere. It might be stuck there forever without you even trying to commit that to memory, right? That psychological aspect to human memory, believe it or not, you can take advantage of it, you can harness it, and you can apply it to things that would be very useful to remember, like facts, figures, presentations. Names and faces, uh, training material that maybe your, your tech company is sending you to all these trainings to learn the, the latest technologies. You can retain more of that information by employing the psychological aspect to memory as well as the visualization in, in other senses.
1: Now, that's super interesting, right? Because my own consulting firm, and uh, I don't talk about it too much, in that I've negotiated thousands of deals. And one thing that, as you get to know me, if you've ever negotiated a technology deal with me, I've memorized pretty much every deal I've ever done. So this isn't names and faces. This is like facts and figures and constructs. And it's all in non-disclosure, so I can never actually say who or what it's attributable to. But I remember every single deal I've ever done. Well, we're in the space now in technology where also I talk a lot about blockchain. And blockchain is like Bitcoin and Ethereum, Generation 1 and Generation 2. But Generation 3 was solving for what those two didn't do, which is governed blockchain. And we really already about Generation 4, which is trust. And what we're talking about, Chester, with memory and the ability to tie in memory is this concept that as humans, we have to have some type of reputation or identity management built in. And so unless you're a Chester Santos and you remember everyone's name and face, there's always this inherent lack of trust. Even if I trust you as a person, I don't necessarily trust your memory or how you remember the events. Um, Investigators get into this problem all the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this is where we can talk about, do you think that we're going to be outsourcing these types of things? Can you outsource memory?
4: Yeah, and we we are more and more, uh, more than any time in history. We're now, everyone is out there outsourcing their memory. They're not using it. And as I always say, sometimes I actually talk at uh, technology con- uh, conferences around the U.S., uh, I like to point out that it's incredible what these uh, devices, electronic devices can help us with and these these apps. Um, I don't discourage people at all from using them because they are going to be more reliable a lot of cases. Um, but we need to be a little bit wary of letting it do everything for us, completely turning off our brain, completely turning off our memory. There is a danger there because eventually you're going to start to lose your ability to remember. Your memory is go- going to to become worse and worse over time, and this can be really bad and, and hurt and hurt you in many different ways.
1: Right. So once again, we have Chester Santos, international man of memory, on the show today. Uh, he is going to, in our next segment, go through a names exercise, which is super fascinating. If you've ever met Chester or seen him in person, um, I, I won't give it away, but he, he's very good at remembering large rooms of, of people. Um, also, I want to remind everyone that we have an IBM call for code that's going on until August 31st, with the winner being announced on October 31st. If you need any information on this call for code for disaster relief and where your company, teams of one to five, can win prize money, email us at info at svi.biz and we'll be right back with Chester. Thanks. For questions
0: or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your hosts, Keith
1: Kuh. Hey, Insiders. Keith Kuh, Silicon Valley Insider, joined today with Chester Santos, international man of memory. Hey, Chester. Hey, Keith. So we have a theme today. We're talking about memory, but we're also talking about trust and trust in systems. Uh, We have covered already about how you have IoT or Internet of Things devices on, Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant, Cortana. They're actually listening to you, and it's kind of scary. So here are things to be looking out for for all these, we'll call them digital assistants. Uh, They can hide commands in the audio. They can send ultrasonic frequencies to each other that you and humans can't hear. Uh, We know that with kids, we were joking that they could text each other frequencies that adults can't hear. Well, now machines can in, assist, in essence text each other on frequencies humans can't hear and the question is if you're paranoid is it on usually it is and this kind of ties into the article i was talking about facebook and recording when you don't know about it they can actually bypass system security through these commands and they can actually jump from device to device and i bring this up because I do think there'll be technologies to combat these things. That's why we talk about blockchain. We talk about IOT, because as we go from hundreds of millions of devices to billions of devices, even though we have Chester here, who's a memory expert, even Chester Ply can't remember billions of addresses and devices. So that's the tip of the week. So... We are joined with Chester Santos, international man of memory, and we're going to discuss a couple of examples how to improve our memory. Right, Chester? Yeah, I'm
4: going to give some good tips for names and improving your memory in general that I think would be useful to just about any entrepreneur out there and, and people in many different industries.
1: So let's get started. What are some of the things you suggest? One thing that
4: we all need to get better at doing is remembering names. This is huge in business. This is huge for entrepreneurs. An example that was just brought up to me at one of my recent presentations, I looked it up to confirm this was the case. I don't know if you're aware, but the number one reason why Nike lost Steph Curry uh, that he no longer is sponsored uh, by them is because during the meeting with Nike to renew the sponsorship, one of the Nike representatives kept calling him by the wrong name. His dad was really upset about this at the meeting. He was really upset. And to make matters worse, when they pulled up the presentation, they had Kevin Durant up there by accident. Uh, so they really... Mess this up, but one of the main things mentioned in the article, they had been calling him Stefan, whereas his name is Stephen Curry. And it's estimated that this in valuation could possibly cost $18 billion in the company's valuation if he continues to be a really popular Player. So this is huge. Uh, names in business, a lot of times higher end clients like that, that either way he was going to make millions of dollars from the sponsorship. It's the personal touch that really is, uh, a f- it really has more of an impact on them. Uh, I'm going to give you four steps that everybody listening can use to get better at remembering names to build better business relationships with people. Step one, from this day forward, whenever you're introduced to someone make it a point to immediately repeat their name and shake their hand. So if you're introduced to someone named Keith, nice to meet you, Keith, or pleased to meet you, Keith. That might seem so obvious, but a lot of times when we're being introduced to someone, We have our mind on everything else, right? Our mind is everywhere else other than the name. That first step forces you to pay attention for at least one second. That's the only way you could repeat the person's name right back to them. Step two, just ask a question early on in the interaction using the name. So Keith, how do you know Chester? Or Keith, how long have you been involved with this organization? Just one question early on is going to reinforce the name in your mind and prevent it from just going in one ear and out the other ear. I wanna clarify, I don't mean use the name over and over again in the conversation to where it starts to seem a little weird, but just one time early on is enough to reinforce it. Step three, take a few seconds or less to think of a connection between the name and anything at all that you already know. Maybe it's a character from a TV show or movie that has that name, but it could be something as you also have a friend or family member with the name Keith. All right, Think of a connection between the name and literally anything that you already know. It's really going to help the name to stick better in your mind. And step four... Just make a point to actually use the name when you're saying goodbye to the person. So when you're leaving, the party, the meeting, whatever type of function it might be, simply, you know, I hope to see you again sometime, Keith. Something like that, using the name one last time is going to go a long way toward helping you remember more of the names the next time you see those people that you're meeting. So this little bit of effort will really go a long way and and help you to build better business and personal relationships with people.
1: That's great advice. So then switching from names, what are some things we can do in the workplace?
4: Yeah, so I'll, I'll let's go through a, a fun exercise here. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot, Keith. We're going to try to employ some of those principles that I talked about in, in the beginning of the interview. Visualization, other senses, making it crazy unusual. And we're going to have you try to quickly memorize a long list of random words it's going to be monkey iron rope kite house paper shoe worm envelope pencil river rock tree cheese and dollar now a lot of times in my presentations when i recite that list to audiences people are looking at me as if i'm crazy there's no way they're going to remember that not unless I give them a long time to do it. But Keith, you and your listeners, I encourage everybody listening to follow along with this. You will all have this committed to memory perfectly in about three minutes. Okay. And even next week, you'll still know it without any further review. Just listen to what I described to you and see and picture it happening. Visualize this, all right? So the first word was monkey. I just want you free to visualize this monkey in your head. It's dancing around, making monkey noises. Ooh, Whatever monkey would sound yeah. like. I'm working on the monkey impression. See and hear the monkey, All right, The monkey now picks up a gigantic iron because that was the next word. So see it dancing around with this giant iron. The iron starts to fall, but a rope attaches itself to the iron. Maybe even feel the rope. Maybe it feels sort of rough, really interact with it. You look up the rope. You see the other end is attached to a kite. Really see that kite flying around in the air. Just picture this like a movie cartoon in your head Mm -hmm. as best you can. The kite now crashes into the side of a house. Really see it smash into the house. The house is covered in paper for some strange reason. Picture that paper was next. A shoe appears out of nowhere, starts to walk all over the paper. Maybe it's messing with the paper, that shoe. The shoe smells badly, so you decide to investigate. You look inside of the shoe. You find a little worm crawling around inside of that shoe. Really see the smelly worm. The worm jumps out of the shoe and into an envelope. Maybe it's going to mail itself or something. I don't know. Envelope was next. Just picture that. A pencil appears out of thin air, and it starts to address the envelope. Really see that pencil. The pencil now jumps into a river and there's a huge splash when that little pencil hits the river. You notice the river is crashing up against a giant rock. Picture that. The rock flies out of the river. It crashes into a tree. This tree is growing cheese. You probably haven't seen a tree like that. This one's growing cheese. And out of the cheese shoots a dollar, all right? The last word was dollar. Now, I'm going to play through this again, but very quickly. And your job and the job of your listeners is try to just replay through this little story in your head. So, we started off with a monkey. The monkey was dancing around with what? An iron. What then attached? It was a rope. The other end of the rope was attached to a kite. The kite then crashed into what? It was a house. What was the house covered in? Paper. What walked on it? A shoe. What crawled in the shoe? A worm. The worm jumped into what? An envelope. What wrote on the envelope? A pencil. The pencil then jumped into the river. The river was crashing into the rock. That rock flew into a tree. What was the tree growing? Cheese. What shot out a dollar? So now, Keith, I want you to give it a try. Your listeners can follow along as well and see if they can recall these by simply playing through the story in your mind and recalling each major object. That should help you to get to the words.
1: All right. So I think take your time. It was a monkey that went to an iron, that went to a rope, that went to a kite, that went to a house, that went to paper. Yeah. That went to a shoe. That went to a worm, and then the worm went into a river.
4: Envelope. That's
1: oh, right. Uh, envelope pencil, uh, pencil into the river. Yeah, you river got. River into the rock. Rock into a tree. Tree into cheese and then I don't remember if it was dollar or something yeah,
4: that. Yeah, you got it. Dollar. You got it right, man. Great job. Awesome. Awesome. Under pressure during this interview, I'm putting you on the spot. That was great, man. You got them all. So all uh, those are 15 random words. Now, these the, the, the thing here is that that just quickly introduces one of many, many techniques that I teach people. That one's called the story method. But note that this imagery doesn't need to represent just random words this could represent something much broader this could help you to remember points of a presentation i talk at conferences national international conferences around the world presenters that are just flipping from powerpoint to powerpoint are really boring to the audience putting the audience to sleep if you if you have memory skills you can be more interactive with the audience that imagery. Let's say you were talking about the healthcare industry in the U.S. Maybe the first image is a stethoscope, and uh, you know next you want to talk about the high cost of healthcare in the U.S. Maybe shooting out of the stethoscope are hundred dollar bills. Next thing you want to cover in your presentation is that under current healthcare programs. In order to get certain things covered, we have to cut through a lot of red tape, maybe wrapping around the red tape, uh, wrapping around the $100 bills is a bunch of red tape. So you create a story that helps you to remember just the points and subpoints of your presentation. So that's something that can be applied to entrepreneurs and in many different uh, situations. So there are practical applications for these principles.
1: No, I, I truly believe that memory plays a large part um, into even the part where we were talking earlier in the last segment about automation and that there's technologies trying to solve for trust. But there are a lot of things that really cannot be covered by automation. There's, there's things that will always have to have human interaction. And I do believe as well that memory plays a large part of that. Uh, so Silicon Valley Insider with Chester Santos, he had given a tips on four things you can do to remember names better, which if I recall, um, repeat their name when you first meet them, shake their hand. Ask them a very specific question, repeating their name in doing so. Uh, make a connection with another person with the same name, a family member or a friend. And then when you do say goodbye, ensure that you're saying their name one more time. You got it. You you got it down. Yeah. Just those four steps are going to be really, really helpful to people. So again, uh, we have Chester on today. If you have any questions about Chester, email us at info at svi.biz or go, or go to chestersantos.com. We'll be right back.
0: For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley
1: Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Kuh. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Kuh. I've been joined today by international man of memory, Chester Santos. And in our last segment, we had two exercises. One was remembering names. And the other one was remembering 15 words, which I almost got completely right. So thanks Chester for those tips. Uh, one thing that's a real insider story. So Chester in the last segment, so you should turn back and listen to the podcast if you hadn't heard it, was talking about how Nike really blew it with Steph Curry. And I'm a Golden State Warriors fan, go Warriors. They won again. Um, he had talked about how they really blew it in re-signing or signing Steph to a multi-million dollar contract which cost them billions in market cap. So an insider story with this is Steph is also a very strong man of faith and not necessarily relevant other than he wanted to put a slogan on his shoes that would have no scripture reference, just words. And Nike rejected that because they thought that it would not be good for the mass audience. And that was the second part of why Steph didn't sign his contract with Nike. But that definitely cost him billions and billions of dollars. So thanks for sharing that story, Chester. Yeah. So, Chester, um, how do people get a hold of you?
4: People can just check out my website, ChesterSantos.com. They can also find me on Facebook, Instagram uh, as well. Just look up Chester Santos at ChesterSantos.com. You'll find uh, information on my introductory one-day workshop. So, it's one full day of training on remembering names, presentations, facts, figures, exam material and for anyone listening to this they can just mention that they heard me on Silicon Valley Insider and as a special offer if you mention that I will give you a free companion ticket for any registration they complete so for any completed registrations I will then give you an additional companion registration for that one day workshop it's held really all over the bay area
1: yeah, that's very generous, Chester. So thank you very much. So again, if you want to take advantage of that, mention Silicon Valley Insider. Uh, you can either email us at biz, or you can go to Chester's website, which is chestersantos.com. So Chester, any last thoughts on how people can improve their memory?
4: Really just try to keep in mind the the main principles that we've discussed during this interview give the exercises a try and you'll start to realize that, again, it can be fun to improve your memory. It doesn't need to be a lot of work. And in this day and age where people are more and more outsourcing their memory to electronic devices, someone that does develop their ability to remember, develop their memory skills, you're going to be even more outstanding. You're going to be even more memorable to people if you do develop those memory skills.
1: Well, thanks, Chester. Thanks for joining us. And that's a great segue into a new feature we're starting this week, which uh, we think we're going to call Keith's Conundrum, which is really about how, really relevant to that last statement you just made, how technology, we rely more and more of it, but why are we relying on it? And so I talked about last week about a digital persona called Lil Miquela. She's a Brazilian American 19 year old who had a million Instagram followers and people were, she was uh, part of Black Lives Matter. She was selling um, different types of goods, brands, beauty uh, products. And also she was being seen on the runway as a fashion model, but as it turned out, she was hacked by a rival digital personality and she quote unquote had to get outed and had to admit that the company behind her had to admit that she was a creative persona. And so there's a term for this, it's called uncanny valley. It was developed by a Japanese professor in the 1970s. And it's a phenomenon that people at one point, they don't realize anymore, kind of like Westworld, they don't realize anymore what's real. And what's quote unquote fake? And I would argue, since now people are paying for these things, um, the way we think of fake, this company was being very open about marketing, right? So, Chester, with your experience as a memory champion, what are some ways people can actually detect? I was doing Google searches. There really isn't a formula for this. How could people detect whether they're interacting with a, you know, a, an actual organic being or a digital being? Yeah,
4: unfortunately, even even, uh, you know, in, in being a memory champion, being able to remember so many different things about people, and my interactions with people over the years, I think it would be very difficult. It's a little bit scary. This is scary to me hearing. Hearing these types of stories and 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 uh, I, I enjoy that show Westworld, but it introduces this this whole idea. It can be very scary when you. I don't think I think more and more it's going to be harder and harder for us to detect uh, the difference between uh, a digital personality and, a, and someone real.
1: Yeah, and that's why I think the the uh, you know the way to think about it. I would love the listeners to email us and give them their views and their techniques on how they would how confident they are and actually figuring out whether it was something was organic or inorganic. I think we still have some amount of time, years, what have you, we, before what we call artificial intelligence truly takes over. Uh, we joked about when Ken Jennings was the Jeopardy champion, he lost to IBM Watson, and he had written down the final answer as, I can't wait to my machine overlords take over the world, right? Um, paraphrasing. I think it would be great for people to submit what they think would be great ways to find uh, what's true and what isn't quote-unquote true. And I think, again, that this is where there are technologies being developed. So, Chester, you were saying that you know you also will reach the l- limits of where human memory can can be obtained, that there are these fourth-generation technologies in blockchain that are really trying to solve reputation identity management. And so if people are interested in learning more about that, they too can in- email us at info.svn.biz. Biz. So last couple of things. I want to remind everybody that IBM does have a call for code for disaster relief. There's $30 million of prize money. Uh, Please email us at info at svanbiz if you want more information. Uh, Thanks again to Chester Santos. Very impressive on the radio and even more impressive when you meet him in person. So definitely go check out his workshops. This is Keith Koo with Silicon Valley Insider, and we'll be back again next week. Thanks.
0: You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.